How's it going? This is Hub. I'm here to talk to you about the Teen Titans. Have you heard the good news? Sorry, just realized I was getting evangelical. Although if I am spreading the good news about a comic book, it would probably be Lady Cop, because I do like to distribute issues of Lady Cop. She first appeared in First Issue Special Number 4 for DC, and it's great. You should check that out. But I am not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the Teen Titans. But before I do talk about Teen Titans, I don't know, this is off topic, but it's what's on my mind. So a few days ago, I saw that Bob Elliott died. I don't know if you guys know this, Bob Elliott was a radio broadcaster. He co-hosted a show called The Bob and Ray Show, and it's the funniest program of any kind that has been. It's terrific. He, he's also, to, to people of this generation, he's probably best known as the father of Chris Elliott, uh, and he played Chris Elliott's dad on the show Get a Life, and they've done a few projects together. He's a very funny man, and it, it made me very sad. I had previously been talking to some friends about how I don't understand people getting so emotionally invested when a celebrity dies, even if it's somebody whose work they really appreciated. And I don't begrudge them that. I, I don't think they that their feelings are invalid. It's just not something that I understand. And that had come up recently with David Bowie and Alan Rickman and uh, Lemmy. Yeah, I was just pointing out that I don't really understand it. Uh, but, you know, that's that's fine. And then I saw that a 92-year-old former radio broadcaster had died, and I started crying. So... I guess I'm just telling you that I'm a hypocrite. But more importantly, I'm telling you, if you get the opportunity, and there's an internet now, so everyone has the opportunity, look up some of the sketches from the Bob and Ray show. It's terrific. My personal favorite, although it's a little bit hard to find, is Mr. Trace, keener than most persons. Uh, Matt Neffer, boy spot welding king is great. The low jump competition is another really good one that they did. They're very influential and kind of unsung heroes of modern comedy, and I think you would be doing yourself a big favor if you checked them out. So, go and listen to some Bob and Ray. It's awesome. Now, on with the program. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Rick Hansen. Thanks, Rick. I guess. In a moistened condition, a towel can fix this. Now rub yourself down while I read the synopsis. Teen Titans number 25, February 1970. Written by Robert Koeniger, drotted by Nick Cardi. The Titans kill a saint? Teen Titan Roll Call. Robin, Kid Flash, Speedy, Wonder Girl. Featuring Hawk and Dove. And introducing Lilith. The Titans and Hawk and Dove are super freaked out as they hang out in a hospital's operating theater and watch a bunch of doctors say science-sounding words and perform surgery on an old dude with a rad mustache. After the surgery, the mustachioed gentleman calls the Titans over to his bedside and tells them that they shouldn't blame themselves. Then he dies. The teens are appropriately bummed out, and despite the recently deceased fellow's final imperative, they clearly do blame themselves. Sheesh, guys. Way to listen. Some orderly tells them that they have to go down to the morgue, and whatever happens down there makes them feel even worse. Which I guess makes sense, seeing as a morgue isn't generally the sort of place someone goes when they're looking to cheer up. When they get outside, they run into a pretty red-haired lady named Lilith. The grief-stricken young heroes yell at her, and imply that the death of their rad-mustachioed buddy is somehow her fault as well as their own. Lilith disagrees with that analysis and tells them to fuck off. After she leaves, some kid asks Kid Flash for an autograph, but he's too bummed out to sign his name, so he breaks the kid's pencil, and he and the other costumed crybabies mope away. 
After dejectedly shambling a few blocks, the sulking superheroes decide to stare mournfully into the distance and have a flashback to let us know what the hell is going on. Sort of. Turns out that last night, the Titans, in their civilian identities, went out to a discotheque where some scantily clad go-go dancers were dressed in a canary motif and dancing in giant bird cages. One of the feather-frocked females was Lilith, and from the inappropriate catcalls the male Titans hurled at her, a few things became apparent. One, they find her very attractive. Two, feminism had yet to really take root in the DC universe. And C, despite all evidence to the contrary, for some reason, they believe her to be Japanese. Huh. Once she has finished her shift gyrating in an aviary, Lilith approached the incognito superteens and calmly informed them that she wished to join the Teen Titans. The confused crime fighters made a half-assed attempt to maintain their anonymity and insisted they didn't know what she was talking about until she correctly identified each teen's alter ego. The Titans were impressed but defensive and insisted that Lilith tell them how she recognized them. You know, besides the fact that Wonder Girl doesn't wear any kind of a mask and Robbins covers about two square inches of his face... Lilith told them that she just knows stuff. That's her superpower. And another thing that she knows is that that night, the Titans would open the door for death. They asked her what that meant, and she said that's all she got. Our protagonists weren't so big on ambiguity, so they tell Lilith her power is lame, and no, she can't be a Titan. Then they leave the club. On the way home, the incredulous quartet of heroes stumbled upon a peace rally, navigating their way through a glorious sea of picket signs. Hooray! The teens made their way inside, where they found that the guest of honor was Nobel Prize-winning pacifist Dr. Arthur Swenson, the mustachioed fellow from the beginning of the story. He started giving a speech about how peace is awesome, but a significant portion of the audience disagreed with him and thought that peace was super lame. They booed him and threw tomatoes at his head. This infuriated the peace aficionados who, ironically enough, decided to physically attack the pro-violence segment of the audience. Not content to claim a moral victory, the pro-fighting faction responded in kind, and soon a full-blown Donnybrook was underway. Stepping outside to change into their costumes, the Titans ran into Hawk and Dove, who had been attending the rally, their respective allegiances falling along predictable lines. While Robin headed off to call the police, the five other newly costumed-clad teens decided that the best way to resolve the situation was to wander into the fray and start punching and kicking rioters seemingly at random. That's a really good plan, guys. Sadly, this seemingly foolproof strategy had tragic results. One of Dr. Swenson's detractors pulled out a pistol, and as the five young heroes struggled to wrest the weapon from his grasp, the gun went off, shooting the acclaimed Peacenik. Kid Flash rushed him to a nearby hospital, but as we saw at the start of this tale, his efforts were to no avail. We find out that when they were summoned to the morgue, the Justice League was waiting there to talk to the young heroes. Were the mentors there to console them and help them work through their grief and feelings of guilt? No, of course not. The League was there to stand around them in a circle and yell at them, telling them what disappointments they are. Quality parenting there, super friends. End flashback. Continuing their prolonged mope, the Titans and Hawk and Dove head down to the river to sulk dramatically in the rain. The teens are engaging in some quality self-pitying when Lilith shows up on a motorboat accompanied by a shadowy stranger. Although we cannot see the man's face, Robin apparently can, and recognizes him as one of Bruce Wayne's business associates, Mr. Jupiter, the richest man in the world. Wow. Things just took an unexpected turn. Mr. Jupiter has a proposition. He will use his fortune to train the teenage heroes to challenge the unknown in man himself, and fight not only crime, but also greed and prejudice. 
the Titans agree to turn their training over to the richest and therefore most trustworthy man in the world. Well, Hawk, Dove, Kid Flash, Wonder Girl, and Speedy do anyway. Robin decides to quit the team and go to college. Wait, what? The other Titans agree to undergo Mr. J's training, but only on the condition that they do it without their costumes or using any of their superpowers, because... Well, I guess just because. They also decide that Lilith can be a Teen Titan after all. Hooray! The new lineup of Titans put on some gray jumpsuits and follow their new robot butler, Angel, into a weird glowing corridor that has a moving sidewalk. The end. Wait, what? Joining us once again is my good for many things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you? I'm well, and uh, pleased to be upgraded. Well, you earned it. Thanks. Well, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) So, what'd you think? Uh, I enjoyed this issue. The artwork was outstanding. What does that sound mean, Corey? It means that there was picket signs. Yeah, there were picket signs. Mm, And there was good use of picket signs. Yeah, man. They used them not just to protest, but they used them as weapons. Mm -hmm. It was a hell of a time. Whoa! That's That's how I felt about it. That's good. That's nice. That was an accident. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's a very loud fake air horn. Well, it's true. And don't ruin the radio magic. It's a very loud real air horn. Yep. So <laughs> one of my favorite picket sign things, too, is the, the irony of... I'm just going to jump right yeah, in. Yeah, no, go where, for it. Um, and it's the scene in which Hawk, you know, being his hawkish... Oh, he's such a dick! He's taking great joy in just beating up Peacenecks because they like peace. <laughs> yeah. and, and he hates peace. He thinks it's for losers. Yeah, but what is more... <laughs> Fun to me is that the pro peace proponents are also just going in there fucking throwing haymakers and swinging picket signs. It's a brawl. And just like, man, it seems like the pro violence faction of the crowd has scored at least a moral victory at that point. Absolutely. In that the pro peace people Mm -hmm. are just punching and kicking and fucking Teen Titans included. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but the irony part too is like in this one panel where Hawk is just laying waste these, these peaceniks. Yeah. The, the one of the guys he's punching is holding a sign as he's like flying through the air getting knocked out that says no fighting or don't fight or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Those are pretty good. That tickled me. The pro-violence group also brought their own picket signs to the peace rally, Mm -hmm. but they brought picket signs that said, uh, we got the bomb and we're going to keep it. I was going to ask you about that sign. Was that, I couldn't figure that out because it was mixed in with all the, the, the anti-war signs like grow flowers, not hate. See, it's one that could go either way. Like we've got the bomb, let's not drop it on anybody. We're just going to keep it safe. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Or it's like, we're, don't take away my bomb that was the I way need that, my bomb that was the way that i read it but it seemed... that was the way i read it too yeah but yeah no i think that was uh obama's trying to take your bombs away mm-hmm. you need go, those bombs better go buy more bombs better buy yeah buy more bombs go to the bomb show. those bombs yeah you can go down to walmart you get those bombs mm-hmm. you get yeah. like a 30 pack mm-hmm. and then and then you've got your bombs you're gonna keep them you get them off the internet yeah no background yeah. check yeah exactly all the bombs you can want. stockpile yeah <laughs> so yeah all the bombs you can want yeah. You got him. From bomb.com. Yeah. Yeah. Nice try, Barack Hussein Obama. Bombs. Keeping my bombs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Good use of pickets. <laughs> <laughs> there's a... <laughs> there's one in which... And I don't know if I've seen this drawn this way before in these comics, where a guy has been hit over the head with a picket sign. 
and his head is poking up through the torn bits of it. I feel like I, I feel that like that maybe already. came up. I, I might just be thinking of guitars that that happens. Yeah, with. that's that's the thing I was thinking of. Man, yeah, no, it's very reflective of what happened in the Hippieville episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. But man, talk about the uh, an emotion. This is one of the most. It's it's like an emotionally laden thing for the Titans, where it starts off with a super heavy deal and it ends with them just basically kind of shattered and looking for meaning and it's a very dreamlike episode it, it kind of reminded me of the gargoyle episode in a lot of ways mm. it's really surreal the whole episode i thought had a, an overall dreamlike quality and part of that i feel like that's really eccentric first of all it's just a weird it's a sea change issue like mm-hmm. stuff happens lineup changes it's definitely a turning point there's a new writer but i feel like the dreamlike much like with the gargoyle one the fact that much of the episode takes place during flashbacks mm-hmm. so it just adds to this crazy like hazy dreamlike quality that the whole thing has and it's really unsettling mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of you ever watch punky brewster as a kid it's been a while okay do you remember there was one episode where like they got lost in a cave and like i think people kept dying and there was a ghost or something no there was a weird episode of Punky Brewster <laughs> where they got lost in a cave and people kept dying. And I think at the end it was a dream, but I'm not sure. But this had that kind of just like kind of a dark, oppressive feel to the whole issue. One of the things that really drove that home to me is when they're called into the morgue and are all harangued by their mentors mm-hmm. in the Justice League. Mm-hmm. In a morgue, too. In a morgue. There's no reason why that conversation yeah. had to take place there. Right after the dude that they accidentally shot dies. Right. Well, right after like, he died. Now we need you to go to the morgue and get yelled yeah. at because you killed this dude. Yeah. And the way they got yelled at is, like, they're all speaking in rounds like some kind of a Greek chorus. They're not speaking in, the like, the voices that we generally associate with Batman, Superman, The Flash, Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. They're all speaking as one and, like, taking turns talking and just haranguing these fucking teenagers, some of whom are like their adopted children. Mm-hmm. This fucked up. Yeah, it was harsh. But and but they, also they has that like, oh shit, you showed up at school and you're in trouble and you don't have pants. Like, this is a bad dream type feeling. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and part of me too, like, I associate that with the date. Like, this is the first comic that we've read that's in in the 70s it's the 70s and it's almost yeah. like that's like the hangover of like this dream of the the peace and love <laughs> of the the 60s and you know the psychedelics are are, are wearing off and the the, the there's the, that the, aspect of it but i think it's the more... moods are kicking in <laughs> <laughs> yeah this might be the first lewd issue i kind of feel different I, I feel like it's almost more the writers are trying to now cash in more on the like oh they, they it's just caught up with them that the hippie stuff is taking place because there's the whole thing where like dr svensson gets shot but it's because he's at a peace rally he's got this sign behind him when he's speaking that says love plus peace equals life mm-hmm. and there's that kind of like a hippie tone to it and also the fact that the teen titans are under the tutelage of Mr. Jupiter, are going to take a different direction. Not just fight crime, but also fight prejudice and greed mm-hmm. and race riots. So I had a question about that, too. That is Mr. Jupiter a known entity in the, in the DC universe? This is his first entry into the DC universe, but he does stick around for a while, and he does, in fact, mentor the Titans for a while. Because I, I didn't recognize him, and they were, like, everybody's like, oh, shit, it's the richest, well, the richest man, the man in the world. Yeah, yeah. everybody knows him. Right. Like, Even though he's, like, a shadowy figure who, mm. you know, 
Yeah, I didn't trust him right away. No, and I, I, I'm I still, still I'm on no. The he's he's entirely kind of so, creepy, actually. He is so. Later on, I, I don't think you were reading comics at this point. This is actually just a few years ago when they did the DC countdown and they killed off my favorite character, which is Blue Beetle. The main villain of that was a multimillionaire named Maxwell Lord, who had previously been the benefactor of the Justice League in the 80s. The original plans for the series were to have the main bad guy be... And so that was a thing. There were plans for him and he was an entrenched character. They decided not to go with Mr. Jupiter because I don't think many people remembered who Mr. Jupiter was. But he has. It's a really good name. And you know what else I like? Mm -hmm. Okay, he's the richest man in the world. Mm -hmm. He almost certainly has at least one honorary degree. Mm -hmm. He doesn't insist that he be addressed by it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to be like Like Dr. Jupiter. Yeah, Dr. Jupiter. Because I'm sure he's earned the title Dr. Jupiter. Yeah. Like, earned, I I have in air quotes. Sure. He's donated a few buildings to a few universities. They're going to make him an honorary doctorate. So is that a, a, a common thing for like a group of heroes to have a, a rich patron, or is it more not common really for them that to just common? I I, the, the, I just named wealthy. the only two that I can think of. Okay, yeah, Unless, I never heard of that really. Before. I mean, it, it crops up if one of the heroes is very rich, then they'll just be kind of a sponsor. Like I think mm-hmm. Tony Stark does that with the Avengers to a certain extent, and mm-hmm. I would not be that surprised if Bruce Wayne makes a few donations to the Justice League. Yeah, keep the lights on at least. Yeah, you know, but. I don't think it's that common. Those are really the only two I can think of. Mm. But it is a weird direction for the series to take. Dark. Yeah, re- really dark. Wonder There's Girl also, cries a lot. Wonder Girl cries pretty much the whole issue. And part of that is it's beautifully drawn. It's a very emotional issue. Yeah. Really all the Titans should be crying. They're just moping, but they're men, so they're not going to cry. Yeah. Part of that, Bob Kaniger is, he's the writer who took over. I liked this issue a lot, and that surprised me, because mostly about Kaniger, his reputation that I know it is of the work that he did on Wonder Woman, and the work that he did on Wonder Woman was not good work. Mm. Uh, It was very regressive and kind of had her going back to, he wrote her in the Silver Age and had her being a very kind of anti-feminist type of hero for, Mm -hmm. he, he undid a lot of the work that the Golden Age had established Wonder Woman as being pro-woman, pro-feminism, and then he wrote her as being kind of man-crazy and trying to trick Steve Trevor into marrying her and stuff. Mm. Um, and then he took over the series after they had the new Wonder Woman and kind of went back to form with that. Mm. Uh, so I think that's part of why he has Wonder Girl crying a lot, is mm-hmm. because he views ladies as the weaker sex. Mm-hmm. But, that being said, it's a fun issue. Here's one thing, though. Do you think Lilith is supposed to be Asian? I was going to ask you the same question. Was there perhaps a miscue on the the hair color? I don't think it was that. I don't think it's anything that benign. And I may be ascribing sinister motives to this, but I think that he wrote her as an Asian character because, Mm -hmm. hey, she's enigmatic. Of course she's Asian. Mm -hmm. And I think it was an editorial decision that was just like, no, let's make her white. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that was like a last minute, like, let's switch this around. Yeah, no, there's some total, like, Orientalist... (laughs) Well, she's described as the enigma of of the East and... Uh, Lips of polished jade. jade. But she's like... Which would mean green, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird. You know, green lips, like Asians have. Yeah. I don't think Robert Koeniger has ever seen an Asian person. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that was part of the confusion. Mm. And then Nick Cardi, who... Incidentally, the art in this issue is gorgeous. Nick Cardi's been doing the art for a while on this, but 
he's inking his own work here, which he hasn't been doing lately. It, it's, I think, mostly been either he's been inking Gil Kane or vice versa. And it really, it's great. It's very cinematic. It, mm-hmm. it works really well. Yeah, I had this book for a while that was, <clears throat> it was like uh, promotional posters from a lot of the exploitation movies in the in the 70s. Oh, totally. And there's that, that, that real, yeah, um, like lots of, lots of depth in the images and like you said, dynamic and yeah, it's very like kind of graphic designy almost. Yeah, I think you were saying it, it looked more like storyboards than, mm-hmm. than a comic book in some places. And yeah. I can totally Which see that. I am all for it. Yeah. That looks super cool. So, what do you think Dr. Swenson was going to say when he said, don't blame yourselves, you were victims of your own shit. (laughs) I wanted him to say that, or just, like, stupidity. Like, I feel like there was going to be, they all seemed to assume that he was about to say superpowers, which is a hell of a fucking stretch. Because he didn't know that they were the Titans at the time. Oh, wait, no, he, no, did, he knew that they, they were the they Titans. Changed, they had right? changed into their clothes. That's right. They, yeah. Um, and then, you know, right. Flash had ran them all to the hospital in the backdraft of his running fast. Yes, I had a moment of temporal discord there. Forgive me. It's quite all right. You are forgiven. But yeah, I I think he could have been saying you were... I, I really think it seemed like you were the vic- Don't blame yourselves. You were the victims of your own stupidity. Mm. It's like, oh, burn dying dude with an awesome mustache. Yeah, almost kind of like reminded me the way he was drawn a little bit of like a, a chubbier, happier Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, totally. Yeah, he had that like maybe almost a Mark Twain looking vibe to mm, him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, clearly I think modeled on Albert Schweitzer. But yeah, very distinct look to him and never more so than when he is floating like a Jedi ghost in the background after he's died and they're all just sitting around crying. Man, that's you got to pick somebody to accidentally kill like a, a Nobel Peace Prize winner. <laughs> like, well, and they major. all five of the teens had their hands on the gun. Yeah, as it went off, that dude must have been so fucking strong. You think it was like like? Did they have angel dust back then? Was he supposed to be on angel dust? Oh, probably. Like he just punched out a police horse, and now he's just like yeah. wandering around a peace rally with a gun, looking for trouble. Yeah. Well, he found some. Sheesh. Yeah, Hawk and Dove got in there too. Like literally, yeah. all of the yeah, all five power. of everybody except for Robin, who is outside signaling the police. Mm. So why is he so mopey? Eh, he he, he still feels, feels like that's he part of the team. He should have been in there. I don't know. Stopping him. Hey guys, don't grab that gun. Just guys, no. Let just let him shoot. Let nature take its, it's course. It's fine. It's his right as an American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But they don't really have anything to feel guilty about as a thing. Their superpowers didn't play any role in the dude dying. Like, Not they tried really. to stop him from shooting a gun, and he they failed. And what is the lesson there, too? It's like, okay, so if you and your four friends right. are somewhere, okay, and a bad guy pulls out a gun and is about to shoot uh, a good guy. Right. Should you, like, quickly draw straws <laughs> or just be like, you know, like, hey, Bob. Oh, so you think it was a lack of teamwork issue that if it had just been one of well, them. Well, what's the message? Like, do, do you don't try and stop the shooter or the guy's going to get shot anyway? Or Well, what? I think that really where they aired here was that when they saw that things were starting to get out of hand, their plan was just to wander into the crowd and start punching people at random depending on their own political preferences. What's I don't see the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. 
But that's Bob Kaniger for you. Oh, jeez. You know what was awesome, too, just like a, kind of an aside, is when they're in the alley getting changed. I didn't realize that Kid Flash's uniform pops out of his ring. Yeah, yeah. That's no, what both was going him and on. Flash. Yes, no. He has a ring that has a compressed uniform in it. That was so and, cool. Yeah, when he opens it up, then the uniform pops out and he puts can, it can on. Can you imagine that, like, for a suit or something? Or oh, just to fuck with rad. people? No, like, just no, the, the ring push. suit. I didn't realize that hadn't come up yet. No, it's awesome. Yeah. I totally want a ring suit. Yeah. Or a suit ring. It is. That that thing is drawn oddly, though, because, like, clearly Hawk and Dove are going to change into their uniforms, but... They change, like, magically, though, don't they? They change magically, but the way that it's illustrated in this, it's just, like, half of their faces in the uniform, half of their faces in civilian identity. Mm -hmm. And they clearly went outside to go change, so they wouldn't be seen changing. And I think they were just like, oh, shit, how do we draw that? I don't fucking know. Just... Make them, like, half. Half and half. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I've and then heard... they all recognized each other and were like, hey, you guys are superheroes? Oh, you're superheroes? It made it look like they knew each other and mm-hmm. they in their civilian identities, and they don't. Mm-hmm. But they will now. Yep. No, as far as Speedy knows, the only reason they left last time is because he was... Because he was being a dick. Yeah, that was Speedy. Speedy. Being, being a big jerk. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. But, man, he's got nothing on Hawk. Hawk's a real dickwad in this issue. He is a big jerk. Yeah. So, there's been some big changes. Mm. New t- new lineup of Titans. Instead, uh, so Robin's left, and we, are at, uh, we have added Hawk, Dove, and Lilith. So, yeah, it's a big fucking change. So, I think it's weird that <laughs> Robin's just, like, out of nowhere at the end of the issue. Much okay. like the writers of Teen Titans seem to have trouble with goodbyes. Because they don't mm-hmm. set up any preamble to it. The same thing happened with Aqualad. Mm-hmm. Where it's just, like, end of the issue, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to college. Sorry. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. See you guys. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird. And, to the way that it ends, it's, you expect the next issue to be following the Titans that went with, I almost call them Dr. Jupiter, because that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, went there, and I'm like, okay, the storyline is going to continue now with them doing this other thing. Yeah. But it sounds ostensibly like, no, we're going to get this new lineup, and then those other Titans are just gone? Or, I don't know. What, what I do guess you I'll find out. What other Titans? Lilith and uh, Hawk and Dove. Yeah, no, they're, the, the they're part lineup. of the new team. Mm. And they all train with Mr. Jupiter. Oh, all of yeah, them. Yeah, see, at the end, there. they're all walking into that weird move people mover. But Robin's going quarter. off to college? Except for Robin. Robin's going off to college. Okay, so that's the, the, the change is Robin's yeah. going. Okay, whew. good. That's what I thought, but I. Yeah. Was a little Next issue is actually awesome. Uh, mm. And at. What do you think I Robin's got to I don't study? usually read ahead. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Psychology. Yeah, he's. Psych. He's totally going to study. Gonna he's going to be a psych major. major. Because fucked up people are always psych majors. <laughs> I got this theory. If your car's working perfectly, you don't study mechanics. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, some of my best friends are psych majors. And are they fucked up? I'm just kidding. I don't know any psych okay. majors. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> I do, maybe I do. No, I've, I've, I have known some. Yeah. And they're all fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, good Apologies times. to snowboarders, psych majors, <laughs> and anybody else who has yeah, found offensive not? content in this. So, what was your favorite teen slang that was used? Uh, you know, I kind of, in some ways, I feel like I'm getting almost so used to the way that these guys talk that, the, that you're inoculated is, to it. I'm a little bit inoculated, but there was a lot of sort of funny dialogue that wasn't necessarily slang. Yeah. But, in and, and the dialogue that I picked, yeah, okay, it contains some slang, but it's also just, uh, it's a nice phrase, and it's and it's from, from Don Hall. 
okay. AKA Dove. Yeah, no, I think I had that one too. Okay. And it's his brother's being a big dick saying, yep. just like, uh, the strongest guys are the best and, you know, let's beat everybody up. And he says some stuff and he ends it with, peace is my thing, hope is my bag. Yeah, I had that up there for me too. The other dialogue, which again, yeah, like you said, it's not... Haney had such a distinctive way of writing the slang that it's different than Koenigers and a little bit less overt. But when they're in the club, and man, that is a weird fucking club. That was one thing I did want to talk about they a little bit. get the girls into the cages safely? Uh, ladders, maybe. Or maybe the, they lower down. And like maybe they have some kind of a harness and they rappel down? No, like they're like a mechanical, like there's a, a winch or something in the Oh, ceiling. Yeah. Oh, you think the whole cage is lower and are raised. Mm-hmm. That actually makes the most sense. They put a lot of thought into this. It's basically they're hanging out in this club that's in this giant like airport hangar type environment that has bird cages that has scantily clad ladies dressed mm-hmm. like birds in them go-go uh, dancing. Can- canaries, right? Because that's the Canary Club. Canaries, yeah. Mm. The Canary Cottage. Oh, excuse me. It's a discotheque. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> But because cottages right, so go of all. Lilith has just gotten out of her shift of shimmying at the Titans, and she's she said like, "Hey, just thought I'd come and talk to you because you're Teen Titans," and they're like, "Well, what are you talking about?" And Speedy says, "Hop back in the cage and sleep it off." Asking us about being a Titan is like asking a Chinese laundryman to explain Einstein's theory of relativity to a Martian in Yiddish. Damn. That is one hell of a metaphor and totally unconvincing. (laughs) If anybody said that to me, I would be sure of two things. One, that guy was an idiot. Mm -hmm. And B, that he was absolutely whatever I was accusing him of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I kind of had a little mental groan. when I. Yeah, you are protesting too much. But I did really like that as a turn of phrase. He put a lot As of work it were. into it. He really did. I think he had been saving that. Mm-hmm. I think he had it written down in his notebook. Just like cool shorthand, say, like Martian Yiddish. Yeah, I think a lo- I think a lot of these guys have cool things written down in notebooks that they're mm-hmm. going to say. Like, you know, the movie They Live. Yeah, Roddy Roddy Piper showed up on the set of that movie with a notebook filled with things, cool things he would like to say if he was ever in an action movie. Kick ass and chew bubble. That was one of them. I came here to chew bubble gum, to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum. And John Carpenter, to his credit, was just like, yeah, man, put in whatever you want. This is awesome. That movie is awesome. That movie is awesome. It's really nice to see. It holds see. up actually pretty well. It holds up, I think, really well. And it's nice to see a movie that has anti-greedy capitalism done in a science fiction motif because it's so often. And the the trope is the invasion of body snatchers where it's evil communists are invading. It's like, no, it's the capitalists. Mm-hmm. And it's the society of greed. And it's a wonderful yeah. movie. Consume. Yeah. Consume, conform. Enjoy. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy. Yeah, so that was the dialogue. What was your favorite panel? My notes say page 12, tomato, and suddenly shadow. Uh, so I know what you're a, talking it's a, about. It's a two-part thing, actually. It's in, And they happen right after one another. And it's so uh, an anti-peacenik has hurled a tomato with great force into the face of, of the esteemed... And he uh, really does look like Kurt Vonnegut in that picture. Yeah. And then the the panel immediately to the right of that is so somebody throws a tomato and then some some hooligan shuts off the lights to to start panic and it's the scene where the the titans are talking to each other once the lights have gone off and it's all like black and gray and yeah it looks and like blue. a Beatles album cover kind of it's super cool looking 
Yeah, no, and, that and, is really and it goes cool. from like goofy and, and hilarious and colorful to like dark and like really graphic-y, and I just yeah very much enjoyed that that whole no, page. Actually, that's really well done. My favorite is when Lilith is gyrating in her cage, and the Titans are sitting at a table. Wonder Girl <laughs> <Spicy> is sulking. <laughs> Wonder Girl is sulking because the boys are paying attention to somebody else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is actually right after. She's been dancing with Speedy. And this was a runner-up for my favorite slang dialogue. Because as they're dancing, he goes, I dig you, Donna. Likewise? A little insecure, right? Totally. But she's like, you know it. And she looks like she is having so much fun dancing. She loves to dance. Yeah, she really does. But then they're sitting at the table. They're watching Lilith dance. It's a very nice picture of Lilith gyrating in her cage in her canary outfit. Yep. But it is the dialogue that sells it to me. Because as she is dancing, the announcer is saying, And now presenting the Enigma of the East, Lilith. Robin says, Wow, I'd sure like to unravel that Enigma. Kid Flash says, Spicy, spicy. <laughs> and Speedy says, A dish of sukiyaki. Yeah. And Wonder Girl says, hmph. It's weird that they tried to make her Asian. It makes that panel, I think, would have been a lot more upsetting to me if she had been Asian. Mm -hmm. But then it's just kind of confusing. Mm -hmm. Like, when I've been working as a bartender, during day shifts, it seems like more than anything else, if I've had to cut people off, I have been called a number of racial slurs that do not apply to me. And the fact that it's just... (laughs) It's like, wow, you are a confused man, and you are not making me question my decision to cut you off. First of all, I don't like your racism. Second of all, it doesn't apply in this situation. Right. And so that that's one of my favorite panels. That's interesting, because that, that, that panel is almost like uh, it's your favorite because of the goofy dialogue that supports it. Yeah. It is nicely drawn. But it is also very nicely drawn. And it, I, honestly, it's, on the... It's, it's very pretty. Look, she's... She's a pretty lady. Yep. She's a pretty red-haired lady who is not Asian. Nope. But the the on the page before it, it's the the Titans and Hawk and Dove are all just like looking very very upset and the ghost ghostly image like the Jedi ghost image of Dr. Swenson is looming over their shoulders. And, and the dialogue in that supports the panel as well because the way that they're mourning, it's supposed to be poignant but it's pretty goofy just how over the top it is mm-hmm. kid flash is saying i i can race around the earth in a second but i'll never be able to escape his eyes and speedy says they're sharper than any of our of my arrows mm-hmm. yeah and he just looks really sad as he's like why did you let me die titans mm-hmm. yeah that and when speedy said that too it's just like you were victims of your own silliness oh but yeah, that, that that bit of dialogue makes me think like, oh, Speedy, you're not the sharpest. Like <laughs> he's not as sharp as his arrows. <laughs> he's not the, the sharpest arrow in the quiver. <laughs> That's true. Well, I think he tries to make arrow metaphors fit every situation, and mm-hmm. there's a lot where they just don't. His mini crossbow is pretty sweet, though. He does bust out a mini crossbow that he starts shooting protesters with. Well, only because it will turn them into. It's he's Stiff. got inertia arrows in it, which I would like to see the science behind. Those. Yeah, that and how that turns people into what did he say? Like stiffly starched versions of themselves, or something. Yeah, something like that. That's weird. Yeah, 
Well, it's a good arrow. Inertia. Yeah. Pass look, it on. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, who is your favorite Titan? Um, I'm going to go on this one with, with Kid Flash, because other than the, the, the punch fast at the, the protest slash peace rally, you know, there wasn't a lot of real kind of superheroing going on. And uh, he did make enough updraft by running very quickly. That... He did. He And that brought not only the Doctor, but all of the Titans along with him to the yeah. hospital. That is some serious shit, man. That's a powerful He's going kid. very fast. Yeah. He can go, and that's why it's a little bit surprising that he couldn't get to the gunman in time, or race in front of the bullet and pull the bullet out of the air, you know? Any of those things. Right. My favorite Titan is Lilith. She's only a Titan for the last two panels, but she is a Titan, and she did a good job. She tried to warn them that a dude was going to die, and they're just like, you're an idiot, and I think you're Asian, but you're not. And Suki, and I'm going to call you a dish that's associated with the culture that you do not belong to. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, they were mean to her. And then they're like, when she runs into them outside of the hospital, they're all like, this is your fault. And they're like, no, it wasn't. Both their anger at her and then their their reversal of that later made no sense. But Mm -hmm. they're in the throes of grief. Shitty things happen. Yeah. But Lilith was blameless in this, and she brought them all together, and she brought them to Dr. Jupiter, and I think she did a great job. Okay. I'm proud of Lilith. You know who I'm not proud of? Kid Flash. You know why? Why? When that kid wanted an autograph, he tried to sign it, and then he just broke the pencil and didn't explain himself and walked away, and all of the other Titans followed him while the kid's just (laughs) like, guys, guys, why isn't somebody signing this shit? Yeah. He, okay, the way that I read the panel, and I may be remembering it incorrectly, is uh, the kid came up to him and he's like, I totally don't want to do this, but, I, but I'm going to do it right. because just, I don't want to let this kid down. And he's so overcome with grief and other emotions from having accidentally killed the Nobel Prize guy. Yeah. The the pencil just snaps in his hands as he's trying to write. Like it's not, it's not like the kid comes up to him and he's like, snaps it in his face and throws <laughs> it at him. It's like, fuck off, kid. I'm pretty sure that's the way it happened, though. I think he snapped the pencil in half, threw it at the kid, called the kid fat, pushed him down, and no, then they all walked away. Look right. at, look at, okay. That's on page five. And he's, he's, he's trying to write it. And he's like, I can't, I just... I just can't do it. See what happened? The pencil broke in my hand before I could sign my name. And he looks kind of horrified. I think he just broke the pencil and then said that like, why are you hitting yourself? Oh, look at this. What just happened? Oh, that pencil just broke in my hand. Guess I can't sign this. The kid in that panel. The kid looks looks like that's what happened. Yeah, he does. And the way that the kid's writing to it reminds me, you know those... um, those repurposed G.I. Joe PSAs where they're kind oh, of yeah, yeah, hilarious yeah. dialogue yeah. over it. It's like the kid's drawn like one of those guys. Oh, what? <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah. That's, man, a lot of great stuff happens in this issue. Yeah. Um, and the next issue is one of my favorites. And just so you know, uh, I don't know if any of you have been listening to, I've been posting a podcast a day about the premiere of a black superhero over on the uh, Traveling Through the Bronze Age podcast that I do. There's going to be a crossover because the next issue of the Teen Titans does introduce a black hero. So if you don't want spoilers, you might want to skip the Teen Titans 26 one. Or if you do want spoilers, make sure you listen to it. Mm. But in the next few days, I'm going to be posting that one. Stop. And then tune back in here and we'll discuss it more in depth next week. Yeah, it's a really good issue. Sweet. Yeah. I look forward to it. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, well, thank you all so much for listening. Did, was there anything else you wanted to add about the issue? I could talk about it for hours, but I think we've covered it pretty well. All right, then there's only one thing left to do. Mm. What's Aqualad probably up to? Ah, uh, I was afraid you'd <laughs> ask that. After, after last week's <laughs> attempt to tie him into the historical context yeah. of, of the times, I, I, I struggled with that. And so I'd taken a little more of a freeform approach to it Okay, this time. So, 1970, February, uh, today is the, the 7th, turns out that um, there's a certain holiday uh, that started um, around around this time, 1970, February. Is it, it Christmas? Nope. Oh. Uh, it's on the 6th, which is yesterday, and that in, um, in Jamaica and Ethiopia is Bob Marley Day. So, <laughs> I'm thinking that Aqualad was hanging out in a college dorm. <laughs> Well, you know, Robin's getting ready to go off to school, and he's looking for purpose In also. 1970, did people have posters of Bob Marley up in their college dorms? Uh, they must have. He's got a holiday. <laughs> like, dude's a pretty big star. Was he a big star in 1970? Uh, I don't know the chronology of, of his stardom, but he definitely was making making music at that time. Okay. Um. So, so Hawkeye... Was either in college sporting Bob Marley posters on his wall, but you know, I'm thinking he can get around pretty well. So he, he can, he can swim very fast. Yeah, you know, he's probably going down to the islands. You for, think he was in Jamaica? Yeah, getting a little iry, having a good time. Okay, I can't tie it to any. I, then the I wanted to do what I did with Hendrix, where I'm like, oh, he had this Merman song that's perfect. Yeah. So Bob didn't have any of those that I'm aware of. No. So I'm just going to say there, you know, maybe he tried to, like... Maybe Stir It Up was about some soup that Aqualad <laughs> made him. What, why don't you tell me what you think? Uh, oh, he went to, to a water park. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he loves water parks. Mm. <laughs> and that is what Aqualad was probably up to. <laughs> water parks are fun. Yeah, no, I know. He knows. Yeah. Imagine how much fun they'd be if you were Aqualad. He loves that shit. Do you think he shows off? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does flips. I probably has some of his octopus pals like juggle him. Mm. Has more of his finny friends show up. You seen that video of the octopus attacking a crab, like jumping out of a tide pool and grabbing the crab? No, but I saw one eat a shark. What? Yeah, it's fucking rad. Octopuses are the best. But like a small shark. Uh, I think it's like a six. Foot, it was at least a four foot shark. Um, and it just like, like grapple the shit out of it. Yeah, it just like its arms came out of nowhere and it held the shark in place and suffocated it because the shark couldn't move forward. All right, it was fucking awesome. All right, octopuses, pass it on. Mm. That's been our episode of Teen Titans Wasteland. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, please feel free to do so. I would love to hear from you. We've gotten some very nice emails in the past few days. The Email address is ttwasteland at gmail.com. And if you would be so good as to leave us a review on iTunes, a positive one, golly, that'd be nice. And, uh, yeah, most importantly, tell a friend. Have, to, have them start listening to us because uh, we, we want to grow this, this, this family of listeners that we have. Because, you know, we're family. Yeah, and for those of you who have given us feedback either through the Facebook or the email or, or wherever, it's awesome. Yeah. Please keep it coming. It totally is. Thanks, guys. Enjoy, enjoy. Spicy, spicy. Sukiyaki. <laughs> <laughs>